This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, The Sermon on the Mount, Part 13, Warning Against Worry. God knows what you need. You're failing to trust God when you worry. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. We're going to get in, uh, into our message tonight. We are, we are doing a Bible study through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, 5, 6, and 7. And so we have been going through the, these, this uh, co- collection of messages that Jesus has given to, to cover so many topics. And we've gone through so many from the attitudes we're supposed to have, talk about divorce and remarriage and making promises and managing your money, giving and managing your money, fasting and praying, how to handle wealth. But we're here at chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 tonight. Chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, and we're going to take a look at worrying. I know y'all need to listen to me because some of y'all are worrying all the time already. Uh, It is about... Worry, not worrying. God is Jesus. The Lord Jesus has given us some challenges and some truth about this. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, worry. That God wants us to be freed from the challenge of worrying. And by the way, there'll be a number that will come up soon, uh, either on your screen or there might be, uh, it might be in the chat if you want to ask a question uh, to send your questions to that number. It's a, I think it's a text number that we get most of our questions from. You, you know, we don't, there's so many people in the chat and so much discussion going on in the chat that we're not able to screen through all the chats and pull out your questions. But if you send it to the text number that we put on the screen, there it is right there. If you see that number, uh, you want to send us a, 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 a question, that's the place to send it to more quickly make sure that I see it. So Jesus is talking about worry and we're going to start. Let me just first of all read these verses to you. Uh, We're going to talk about and this is starting at verse number 25 of chapter 6. Here's what he says. Therefore I say to you do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lily of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, In all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first, verse 33. If this is not, if verse 33 is not highlighted in your Bible, I want to challenge you to highlight that in your Bible. Verse 33. It is, it is one of the cornerstone verses. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things 
shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Y'all see that? That's profound. It's amazing. It's important. It's significant. Jesus has given us instructions and the challenge and encouragement about the importance of us not worrying, and not being stressed out. And so uh, I've thought to put this in some sort of a structure so you can flow with me. And let's start off by talking about uh, his first challenge to us to not, uh, to not worry. Uh, he, it's a warning. It is a warning from the Lord not to worry. And I want you to write a note to yourself and highlight yourself. And again, remind yourself that this is the instructions from the Lord that he says to us not to worry. Verse, here's what it says right here in verse number 25. He says, uh, therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Then he says about life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Wow. He's telling us three things not to worry about. Here's the first one is your life. He says, don't worry about your life. Let's start off by, because a lot of people are worried about their life, their future. What am I going to do tomorrow? What's going to happen in 10 years? What's going to happen in 20 years? We're stressed out about the destiny of our life. God, and, and it's important for you and I to know God already knows your future. He already knows. He knows you're coming and you're going. You're uprising and you're down city. He said, don't worry about it. God's got you covered. Jeremiah 29, 11. Write that verse down. Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the thoughts that I think about you. And I, I, you have a future and a hope. You, 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 you have a, an expected end. God has a, he has a journey for you to complete. And nothing will happen until you've completed the journey that God has for you. And he says, don't worry about your life, is what he says. That's, that's the very first point he, he makes. Don't worry about your life and everything connected to your life. Stop stressing out about it. And maybe I should define what worry is, because sometimes people, people carry that worry. That worry means they're, they're thinking and concerned and stressful and scared and worried about what's going to happen and what will, what will somebody do and what will, what's going to change. We get stressed out and that's worrying. We, we are carrying the stress of worry and God says to us, number one, Jesus says, stop worrying about your life. He's, you know what he's saying? I got you covered. I, I, got, you, I got your back. I know, I know what your, your destiny is. I know what the end of the story is. See, we don't know the end of the story. While we're going through the trials and going through the issues, we don't know what the end of the story is. We don't know. But you know what? I am persuaded and I know that God already knows. I know when I was a young man, I, a young preacher, I wondered if I would ever pastor, if I would ever be a pastor. And I was applying to all these churches and they all turned me down. And I started getting worried that, that maybe I would never become a pastor. Maybe I would never do that. So I resigned myself. I'll just be an evangelist. I'll just go and preach from church to church to church. But God's will for me, you know, he, he doesn't always let you know what the end result's going to be. So at 29 years of age, I got called to pastor. 
But when I was 20 and 21 and 22 and in those 20 ages, I was so concerned about my future. But I now know having having spent some time with God, I'm 62 now, having spent some time with God, I am persuaded and I know that when it comes to my life, my future, my destiny, my assignment, and it's true for you, that when it comes to whatever it is that God has for you and your life, he's got it all mapped out. He's, it's all written down. He knows. So he says, don't worry about that. But he doesn't stop there. Not only does he say, don't worry about your life, he also says, don't worry about your meals, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about you being able to have food to eat. And a, lot of, a lot of you probably could stand to miss a few, a few meals. But the bottom line is, God's going to make sure that you get fed. And he says, thirdly, don't worry about your clothing. Now, that's something that people get stressed out about. They, they, they can't go to a certain event because they don't have, no, I have nothing to wear. I've heard somebody say on multiple occasions, what? You got a closet full of clothes and you say you ain't got nothing to wear. Jesus said, don't worry about your clothing. You know, I know a lot of people who are just clothes addicts. They, you know, their debt is on clothes. I'm not, I'm not a clothes person. I'm, you know, don't ask me what somebody had on because I, I, I don't know. Don't ask me what I wore yesterday. I don't know what I put on yesterday. I'm not a clothes person. And I hear Jesus saying, uh, stop worrying about getting clothed. Don't, worry, don't let that be the issue that uh, causes you to be stressed out. And, and here he gives these three things. Your life, what you're going to eat, your meal, and what you're going to wear. Then he, then, he, then he does this. He gives us an illustration of how God takes care of others on these matters. He gives us an illustration of how God cares for other things, other people, other, other circumstances. He gives us. He gives us an example of this. And I want to highlight this for you because this is, this is something we need to recognize. What does he say right here in verse number 26? Look at the birds of the air, he says. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bonds, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Stop, pause right there. The birds of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather in bonds, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I think we need to check this out. He says, look, at, I'm going to call out for an example the birds of the air. And I want you to make note that no bird of the air has to go plant any seeds. They don't have to go and plow the field and gather the harvest. They don't have to put it away in barns and store it away. They don't have to do that because God has already provided for them. And if God will provide for them, he will provide for you. And then he says this, aren't you of more value to God than the birds of the air? Yes, of course we are. We are his creation. We are created in his very image. God made us in his image. And so when you worry and you're stressed out about your life and about your meals and about your clothes, you are in essence allowing the enemy to be victorious and convince you to think that God doesn't care about you. When the truth of the matter is God cares about you and I deeply and more so than the birds. And if he has the capacity to care for the birds, 
won't he do the same thing for you? If he, if, he, if he made provisions for them, he will make provisions for you. Very important for us to grab a hold of that and understand that. That is a reality and it's a truth that you need to know. You need to remind yourself when a voice, on a, when a, a voice sitting on your shoulder or in the back of your head is telling you that you, you know, your life ain't going to be nothing or you're going to fail or everything's going to get messed up and or you're going to die, or whatever it is that that voice is saying to you, or, or, or trying to point out uh, all of the things to make you not sleep at night and cause you to get stressed out. That is not the will of God. Here's something else he says about worry. Let's look at verses 27 through 29. He says, worry will not change anything. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the profound right there, too. You doing all this worry, ain't nothing changed. I know that's not good English, but that's good preaching. Ain't nothing going to change. Nothing changes because you worried about it. Because you stayed up at night. Y'all have heard me say before on many occasions, the God we serve never, never sleeps nor slumbers. And so since he never sleeps nor slumbers, ain't no need of me staying up all night. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep. I don't worry. I believe God's going to have it worked out in the due time, at the, time, at the right time. The right appointment, God will have it all worked out. So, worry won't change anything. Let's, let's read this right here, verses 27, 28, and 29. Let's read that. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Answer, none. So why do you worry about clothes, clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Oh, I love, I love the analogies that Jesus is using. He says, he says, the lilies of the field, you see they grow, but they don't toil, they don't spend, they're not making anything. And yet the way God took care of them and uh, uh, clothed them, so to say, the way he covered them, he said, even Solomon in all of his glory and all of his attire and all of his riches and all of his wisdom was not arrayed like one of these lilies. So, so write, this, write these points down. Worry cannot change your status. Worrying is not going to make you taller or shorter. And I love that right there because what he's in essence telling us is you have to learn to be grateful for, for however God created you. You know, whatever your status is, God made you that way for his purposes, not for yours, not for what you want or where you want to be. He designed everything about you according to what his agenda is. And so it's important for you and I to recognize that truth and the reality of that, the reality that God made us, the status of how he made us and everything about us. We cannot change it. I, I was listening to um, the radio today, the news today, and I watch on TV how some people are, really here's what they're doing, they're questioning how God created them. So, so they feel like they want to be a woman, but they were born a man, they want everybody else to call them as though they're a woman. And it's very troubling to me uh, that people haven't learned to accept themselves the way God created them and made them. Um, and I, I want to challenge all of you to accept God about the way he made you. He says, you can't change your status. And maybe, you know, uh, maybe you can go and do one of these surgeries that I, I hear people are trying to do. 
or you haven't done. Many of these people are doing it. Uh, and it's uh, I'm saddened that people haven't embraced how how God created them. So he says, don't you worry about that. And he says, don't worry about your clothes. Don't be stressed out about clothing. Don't worry about clothing. And then he says, this, God cares for the lily of the field. The lilies God took care of. And if God took care of the lilies, he can take care of you. He's no. He has the power to, to care for you, give you whatever you stand in need of. That's what our God does. He, he knows your status. He knows where you live. He knows your community. He knows your family. He knows about your job. He knows about everything. And he is more than capable of caring for you. Because I hear somebody, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm feeling somebody say, but you don't know my family. You don't know where I live. You don't know my job. God knows everything about you. Everything. Everything. He knows about you. God knows it. And since he knows it and knows all about it, he's already has a solution and an answer to get you to where he wants you to be. And so he says, stop worrying. Stop stressing out about it. He already knows what his destiny is for you and the fulfillment of your destiny is. He already knows. And Solomon, with all of the glory that he had and all of the power and money and the status that he accomplished, was not taken care of as well as one of these lilies. And if God took care of the lilies, won't he also take care of you? And that's that's my next point here. If God clothes and cares for the grass which fades, know that he will clothe you. This is verse 30. That's what verse 30 says. Let me read that to you real quick. If God clothed and cares for uh, the grass which will eventually fade, know that he will clothe you. Get that down in your heart. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. He, you know, here's what he's saying. Ultimately, when you fail to, when you worry, you are failing to trust God. Your faith is withering. You are, you are creating a level of doubt that God has the capacity and the ability to take care of you. I want to shout to you with everything that's in me. If God can take care of the grass of the field, he will also take care of you. The grass fades away. But God will take care of you. The crop comes up and, and some of it we put in the oven and eat. We got stuff that grows out of the ground that God took care of. And, 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 and he took care of it until we plucked it up and put it in the, put it in the pot and cooked it. But up until that point, God took care of it. And, and he, he made it for a purpose to nourish us. It fulfilled his purpose. That's what it is. And so God's trying to get us to understand the element of the fact that that's what he has done. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So that's the challenge from God. So uh, then he says this. I'm trying to rush through this. Don't worry about your meals, your drink or your clothing. This is verse 31 and 32. Don't worry about your drink, your meals, your drink or your clothing. Here's what he says. Therefore, do, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Profound, powerful, amazing, important. Uh, 
Let me talk about this for a moment. He says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. When he uses that term Gentile, he means the unbelievers seek. They're chasing after that. They are, they are pursuing stuff. Gentiles, uh, uh, in this culture, he was talking about people who didn't believe in God, who didn't have a relationship with God. And it means the same thing to us today. They're those outside of the faith. People who don't have a walk with God. That's what the Gentile. When you read the scripture and hear about Gentiles, uh, it's, in a spiritual sense, it's referring to those who are outside of, outside of the body of Christ. And they said, when you don't have a relationship with God, you'll be concerned about these things and you will pursue them. You will chase after them. You'll do everything you can to try to get those things. And he is saying here today, don't you worry about those things. Don't let that be your pursuit. Your, your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows you need drink and, and eat. He knows you need clothing. He knows you need clothes to wear. He knows all of that stuff. God knows what you need. There's no shock or surprise to him. He said he already knows. And so he tells us this. Verse 33. Highlight. If this is not highlighted in your Bible, highlight it. Seek God first. Seek, but seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Powerful. Stick a pin right there. Stick a pin. Hang a pin right there. Seek first the kingdom of God, his ways, his principles, his truth, and his righteousness, being in right standing with him. Seek these things and all these other things, the food and the clothing and the drink, will be added to you. God will see to it that you get it because you are pursuing his kingdom and you're pursuing being in right relationship with him. And that's why I make the choices and the decisions that I do. Get this. I want y'all to get this right here. Write this down. Jot this down. That every day I am pursuing being in right standing with God. I want to make right choices. I want to make right decisions because I want to be in right standing with God. That's what righteousness means. Do I fail? All the time. Do I mess up? Frequently. But my goal, my desire that I want in life is to pursue a, a direction that is pleasing and acceptable to God. I want to pursue his kingdom. That's why, that's why I make choices and make decisions to do things that the world may not understand. I don't expect the world to embrace and celebrate certain choices that I make. And neither should you. They're not going to celebrate you loving somebody that's treated you wrong. They're not going to celebrate that you give your tithes and offerings to the kingdom of God. They're not going to celebrate you forgiving somebody who has hurt you. They're not going to forget. They're not going to understand so many things that we choose to do. I choose these things and I conform my will. Why? Because I'm seeking the kingdom of God first. Above everything else, I want to walk in his kingdom. Because I know when I'm in his kingdom, everything is going to be okay. God, he's going to work it all right. Seek you first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, verse 34 says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. I'm not going to be all stressed out. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I can't deal with tomorrow. I'm just dealing with today. What choices am I going to make today? What am I going to do right now? What, what decision? Do I, do I have a, 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 a biblical principle that I can apply to my life today? That I can do today without me worrying about tomorrow and the week after and, and next month, next year? I'm not going to worry about those things. I'm going to just handle it one day at a time.
This is such an important thing, being in right standing with God. It's so important. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry for, take, about, take care of his own deal, his own stuff, his own challenges. He'll take care of it. I'm just going to pursue God. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of heaven. Ask yourself, what choices and what decisions am I making? What, what actions am I taking? What attitudes am I taking? What postures am I taking? Is it pleasing to God? What, what, what are you, let me ask you, what are you doing in your life that you know right now that's not acceptable to God? And what are you doing about it? What things are you doing right now that's not acceptable to the kingdom of God? And what are you doing about it? Now, let me close this teaching today with some practical steps for handling worry. What are some steps that we can do to handle worry? Glad you asked. Here's number one. Control your thought life. Worry comes from the way you think. It's your thought life. That's where worry comes from. You start thinking and, and from that thought process, you begin to uh, think with concerns, think with fears, think with uncertainty. And I believe 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6, gives us a plan. Here's a practical way to handle worry. Number one, start off with controlling your thought life. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We, we're in the flesh, but our, the, the, the weapons God's given us, we don't, we don't fight with guns. We don't fight with knives. We don't fight this war with bullets. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds. God says, I'm going to give you a weapon to use here right now. He's going to lay it out to us. That it's a weapon that's not a carnal weapon, but it is a weapon that is mighty in God to help you pull down the strongholds of the enemy. Here it is, verse 5. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. Woo, profound. That's, I don't understand. I don't know if y'all understand how powerful and amazing that. This is for me. This was life changing. Not just in worry. But in all aspects of my life. I, I become the person God wants me to be. When I start thinking the way God wants me to think. Because the scripture says. Has a man think so is he. So if you think wrong. If you think fear. If you think worry. You'll be tied up with worry. You got to control those thought life. And you can't, you can't get rid of it by somebody laying their hands on you. You can't get rid of it by, you know, just uh, asking somebody to pray for you. you. It's a discipline. You have to discipline your thought life. This thing says casting down arguments. Any, any argument that comes in your mind that's against the truth of God's word. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When you come against when you come into contact with the truth of God's word and you have the knowledge of God's word, the enemy is going to try to steal it and take it away from you. 
But he says the, the way we fight our war and the way we win our war and the way we're going to win with worry is that when that thought comes that's contrary to the truth of God's word, you have to cast it down. You have to reject it, rebel against it, rebuke it. Don't entertain it. Don't give it space. Don't give it the opportunity. Don't let it hang out. See, see your, our problem is we let the thought stay in there. We, we let it come and we let it permeate our thinking and we let it camp out and we start letting it have babies. It, it build a family. It gets married in our thought. Then it has babies. And before you know it, you, you've, if, you think of, if you think a thought long enough, you'll begin to think that that thought is truth. Lord, I've mercy out and talked to so many people who think certain things that they think is truth. And it's not. You believe it, you start thinking it long enough, you'll begin to think it's the truth. And that's the way the enemy messes up so many lives. But this scripture says to us, and it's profound, it's powerful, it's life-changing. This is one of those verses that changed my life. I memorized this verse. I memorized it. I, and, and then I started practicing, rebuking, not just practicing. This is what I did as a lifestyle. Is when a thought came up that was against the ways of God, I rebuked it. I didn't entertain it. And that's what you got to do. I wonder how many thoughts are rolling around in your head. <laughs> how much stuff is rolling around in your head that you, you think has some validity to it and some truth and you give it weight and you give it status. And you even, some, some of them have even embraced it as truth and it ain't truth. So he says you got to cast it down, cast down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. You got to bring that thought into captivity. You got to, that captivity means you have to arrest it and put it in jail. That's what captivity means. So it's not rolling around in your head and like, have it, it's got so much power. And then it says in verse number six, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, so you can start being obedient to God when your disobedience, which is this thought life that you're entertaining, is punished. Your behavior, your actions, your choices, your decisions will change to an obedient way when you punish these disobedient thoughts. As a man thinketh, so is he. Proverbs. So that's number one. And that's probably the most important thing. That's, that is one of the most important things. I got two other points to make, then I'm going to take your questions. But that's probably one of the most important things that everybody has to come to grips with. Uh, how important it is for you to control your thought life. Then he says this, here's number two, casting all your cares upon the Lord. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Unload them. Stop, don't you carry them around. You unload them. You, 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 you push them off on the Lord. That's what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. And so does Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. These are promises from God. But the key, the key here, he's telling us to cast them away. Don't carry them. Don't, don't embrace them. Don't hold on to them. Don't, don't strap yourself down with them. He says, he says, cast these things upon the Lord. Put them on, give them to the Lord. 
I have learned in my life that whenever I have an issue that I cannot control and I cannot change, I give it to God and I wait to see how he's going to solve it. And you know what I discovered? Time after time after time after time, God has solved it every time. Every time, every time he's worked it out. Every day, every time, every moment. And he's no respecter of persons. He didn't do, the, do it for me because I'm Pastor Jenkins. He did it because I'm his child and so are you. And if he did it for me, he'll do the same thing for you. We can just get you to put these things in practice and embrace them. I love this. And here's the third thing. Then I'm going to take your questions. Here, here's, here's a practical way. Make your request known to God. This is what Philippians 4, 6 says. Be anxious for nothing. Verse 6. Philippians 4. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So whatever it is you want God to do, whatever it is that you have concerns about, you bring it to God and cast it to him and you give it to him by making your requests known to God. You're not telling God what to do, but you're saying, God, here's my situation that we want you to resolve. And you give it to God to work it out. That's that's the power of what God um, can do. And it's what he wants to do. And it's what he will do. And so we, we got to get into the practice of, of letting your request be no, made known to God. And, and I got to point this out about this sixth verse in Philippians 4 because he tells us uh, what to do. Be anxious for nothing. Don't, don't have anxiety. But in everything, then he gives us three things. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let me talk about those three words for just a moment. The word prayer, I know this is not, not the, the lesson tonight, but it ties into it. Prayer is worship. Prayer is the worship of God, that you spend some time giving God praise and worship. Don't start your, your, your conversation with God off just immediately just begging and asking all the time. Spend some time reminding yourself in prayer and reaffirming to God who he is. And so give him the praise, give him the glory, give him thanksgiving, give him the worship. That's what prayer is. Supplication is, here's where we say, God, here's what we need you to supply. And this word supplication has a root word, supply. It means here's what we need done. Here's what, you, here's what we're requesting of you. Here's what we need you to do for us, almighty God. And then third is thanksgiving. I'm, I'm one who've learned that you don't have to wait until God does it to give him thanks. You can go ahead and give God the thanks before he does it. I've learned to give him the praise in my prayer life even before he brings it to pass. Because I believe that he will work it out. I believe he's going to do it. And I, I've, I got faith. See, faith moves God. It's those who have faith that believe that God can make a way for you and God will answer your prayers. I have faith to believe that when I make my request known, God is going to work it out. Earlier, when we was reading back in Matthew, he says, oh, you of little faith. Yeah, we, we're people of faith. We believe God. We trust God. We know he can work it out. He's a God. And, and, and on the basis of us not being anxious and bringing our prayers and supplication coupled with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. These are these are the practical principles to help you stop worrying. Amen. Can I get an amen right there from somebody now? That, that is ultimately the thing that God is calling for you and I to do, not to worry, not to be stressed out, not to be going around just concerned, 
unsure, God's got your future worked out. He knows the path that he's designed for you. He knows he's got it already worked out. You're, you're not, a, you're not, you're, 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 he loves you and he cares enough about you. Okay. Let me take these last few moments and answer. I got a bunch of questions here. I'm not going to probably get through all of these, but let me answer these. Pastor, can you explain what is a stronghold? Great question. Here's a stronghold. A stronghold is when the enemy gets his foot in the door of your life some way and he won't easily let it go. It's when he, uh, back in the Bible days when they, they, there was a war, a battle going on, one kingdom against another kingdom, one army against another army, the stronghold was the location where they kept all the weaponry. You know, it's sort of like the place where all of the weapons, where they had to go back and get their weapons and bring that weapons back to the, to the, to the battlefield, as it were. And so the stronghold is when the enemy uh, gets, in some, gets his foot in some arena of your life and he will not easily let it go. It's where he gets fortified to be strengthened. And, and what I love about uh, 2 Corinthians 10 is that it says that God gives us a weapon to defeat the enemy's stronghold. There's some things that are going on in some of your lives that you never thought you would ever get free from. You thought you were going to have to live with that with the rest of your life. And Paul said to the church in Corinth and, and the Holy Spirit says to us today, we can get the victory over strongholds and it begins with the way we think about controlling our thought life. We can defeat the enemy by not letting him roam rampantly in our hearts and in our minds and in our thought life. That's how he wins. He gets in our thought life. And so that's what a stronghold is. We can we can be victorious in that. OK, while we wait on God to deliver us from a worried spirit, do you think seeking professional assistance could be helpful with calming the mind and spirit? Yes, yeah, some people do need to get professional help. You, you will never, ever hear me say, don't go get some professional help. Yes. Yes, uh, it would be helpful. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody should ever feel ashamed or embarrassed that you went and sat down to talk to somebody, be it a professional counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, psychologist, a pastoral counseling, whatever it takes. Get somebody to help you work through your issues so you can get to be at the place that God wants you to be. Amen. I certainly agree with that. If you allow yourself to worry too long, will that cause your faith to become weak or does it show your faith is already weak? Well, uh, you know, what we're trying to do is teach people not to let worry control you, but to let faith be the guide of you. And so maybe some people have worried for a long time. Um, but if we can get if we can get people back into the word of God and, and read the stories of the Bible and read the truth of the word and get in the word and meditate on the word and ponder on it and let it let it meditate in your spirit. It will help you. Defeat worry. Get that word, get that word inside you because it's going to change your thought life. You start thinking about the miracles that God has wrought and the, 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 the victories that he's given to his people over time. It can't help but build your faith to know that the God we serve is more than capable of solving our issues and our problems. Uh, let's see. What can you do when you're having a hard time shutting off your thoughts? Here's what I suggest. If you're having a hard time shutting off those negative thoughts, here's what I want to tell you to do. Hide the word in your heart. Start memorizing scriptures. 
Now, you know, this this thought life is a, is a battle that I have, I've had in my past. And what helped me get the victory is I memorized. I diligently worked on chapters of the Bible, chapters, not just a verse, but chapters. I'd work on a verse a day and figure out how, what you need to do to, to start memorizing a verse a day. When you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that's how you do it. I, and the way I did it is, you know, I would write down the verses on a little three by five card and put it in my pocket. It was my, that was my verse for the day. And so I would break the verse up into segments, phrases, and I'd just meditate on a phrase over and over again. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I think about the Lord is my shepherd. So I put the focus on the Lord. Uh, for a part of the day and then another part of the day the Lord is so I think about what is means the Lord is right now present tense not to, not not in the future but is right now the Lord is my shepherd then I focus on my you know that he's personal that he's he's a shepherd to me personally so I think about the personalness of what God does for me the Lord is my shepherd then I meditate on the shepherd and what what does a shepherd do? How does this, what, what path does a shepherd take? The shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd feeds the sheep. The shepherd protects the sheep. We can go on down all of that. And I think about that. So now I'm just through the first part of the day and I already got that part of the verse memorized. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's the next part. I shall not want. Each word, I'm meditating on it. Section by section. And at the end of the day, I have a whole verse down. And at the end of 30 days, I have a whole chapter down. And I want to encourage you that if somebody's having trouble controlling their thought life, that's the only way I know. That's what's worked for me is hiding the word in my heart, memorizing it and disciplining myself to think about the word and not letting those thoughts come in my mind. that shouldn't be coming in my mind. That's a great question, by the way. Thank you for asking that. Um, how do I encourage an elderly family member who is saved and has become a warrior? I, only thing I can tell you is try to expose them to the teaching of the word of God. Give them this, get this lesson and encourage them to watch it. That's what I would tell you to do. Or, or similar messages that, that will help challenge their thinking and challenge what they're doing to see and know that if God can take care of the, the lilies in the valley, if God can take care of the birds, if he can take care of the blades of grass, he can certainly take care of us because we are more valuable than they. That's what's important to God. That's what is significant to him. Uh, let's see. What is the difference between worrying and preparing your mind for the things you have to do in the future? Yeah, the difference is, uh, yeah, I, I prepare my mind for what I got to do tomorrow, but I'm not stressed out about it. I'm not. Um, the difference is. I'm not worrying. I'm planning. Planning and worrying are two different things. Worry, worry and anxiety means you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to do. No, no. So I, I, I know uh, what my schedule is. I have a calendar. I keep my calendar and I know the things I have to do to keep that calendar for me to accomplish everything that I have in that calendar. And so um, that's prepping for my tomorrow and for my, for my next week. I'm not worrying about it. I'm just planning. And that's that's what the difference is when you're prepping for your your things you have to do in the future. You're planning. And we all we all should plan, but we ought not be stressed out or have anxiety or fears. See, that's what one of the things is. 
uh, when you worry, you got fears. You have an uncertainty about how it's going to turn out. That's, that's what the difference is. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Control your thought life, cast your cares unto the Lord, and make your request known to Him. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbclenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.